Welcome to a Backyard Ultra podcast. Herdy's Backyard Ultra is less than two weeks away. So on this episode, Aaron Young, Big Kev, Rob Parsons, Phil Gore and Jess Smith came on to talk all about Herdy's and Backyard Ultras. Here you go. All right. So yeah, thanks everyone for coming on. We've got uh, Herdy's in just under two weeks time. So I thought I'd do a special Herdy's episode. And um, yeah, so... Are you fired up? Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You, you better go first, yes. Phil. <laughs> yeah, you can go first. Phil. Yeah, pretty excited about it. It's uh, probably my favourite event of the year. Yeah, the um, it's a stacked field too. I reckon, um, apart from the Sat Champs, this is probably the strongest backyard ultra field in Australia. Yeah. Um, yeah, so entries are caps at 300, and I think there's already more than that. Um, but, yeah, by, by the time race day comes around, there'll be around 300 people there. Mm. Um, and we've got a few interstate people coming and a few people that have done some big numbers. So, yeah, it should be really good. Yeah. And what can you tell? What can you guys tell me about the Herdy's course? Like, what's it like? Is it flat? Are there any hills? What's the surface like? There's one hill. There's one hill, and it goes up about a metre and a half, maybe two, near the back end of the, the lap, and that's about it on the hills. Yeah. That's and right. it seems big I, by I, the end. I, I always walk that hill. Yeah, I always walk that hill, Phil. I mean, Bob, yeah. always walk it. Yeah. It's, it's very small. It's about this big. <laughs> yeah, that's a good tip. <laughs> it's flat. It's totally flat, really. Yeah. And the surface, is it um, – from the videos I've seen, it looks like a mix between – pavement and gravel yeah so um there's like a, a cycle path type surface um for probably about 50 percent of the of the course and then there's limestone um which is pretty hard packed and easy to run on and then a tiny little section of, of trail towards the end with um yeah like it's not soft sand but yeah hard hard packed sand along that bit um, but yeah, it's it's very runnable the whole way around. There's there's no real tricks or anything with it. It's yeah, just easy running. Yeah. And would you say it's a like you would wear road shoes? Then I would by the sound of things a road shoe course. What oh, do you yeah. Think? yeah, yeah, definitely road yeah. shoes. I do um, take my trail shoes, but that's just you know, give me something different to wear if I feel like a change. Um, but, yeah, you can do the whole course in road shoes, no issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, and are there any – what other runners, like, I mean, you guys from WA, so you probably know um, you've been speaking around. Like, what other runners, who else is going to be there that, like, ha can go big? Well, Tim, Tim um, uh, I struggled with his last name, Kaprazak. Oh, yeah, It's yeah. coming. Um, ben Hurst, I've, I've been having – I've been chatting a little bit with the two of them about it just to, to see what they might need a little bit of help with in terms of logistics. And so I think both of those guys are more than capable of, you know, doing some pretty big distances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tim told me he wants to go three nights. He wants to make the um, at-large list for bigs. So that's his plan. Ooh, ooh, ooh. He's talking yeah, about the, <laughs> the first the first thing he said when I spoke to him was we were, I was talking about my goal and, um, you know, like the three day, which is seventy two hours, is I think you know, is is what I know he's aiming for. Yeah, 
And from what I remember, um, Aaron, that, that's kind of that's your aim too, is it? Or are you still gunning for that at this event? Yeah. Look, that that's been my aim since I first started doing these, and there was like a little bit of a. I mean, there, there was a reason behind it. Um, so before I started really running backyard ultras, I, I'd applied to um, for the army commandos. Um, you know, I wanted to be a special forces soldier. And uh, I, I kind of like there's the, with the selection process, the, there's the kind of like final three days of it. It's called demarcation where you essentially work for 72 hours without sleep. And I didn't get the opportunity to try out for the commandos. So it was kind of my little way of you know justifying to myself that, that I, I i had what it took to to be able to do that and work for three days mm. so that was kind of like the, the reason why from the very beginning that was something that i had my sights set on yeah um looking at the long term or the long range forecast the weather doesn't look too bad like it doesn't look too hot or wet or anything it just like looks perfect have you what, what do you guys reckon, like, from what yeah. you I was having a look at that a few days ago. Is it still showing possible rain on Saturday? Or is I it not saw... saying that anymore? <laughs> Last check I saw it was, like, 26 degrees Yeah. all through the weekend. Yeah, from wow. memory oh, it was yeah. similar, similar to that last year, but I just remember it being really humid overnight. Um, mm, so humid didn't just really so cool humid. down so that like the temperature wasn't particularly hot but it just was so humid overnight and i think that got to a lot of runners because it starts at 4 p.m so you're straight into it into that night yeah humidity was it was a real it was a real uh, bugger last year mm. but 26 that's good and a bit of rain well we'll take the rain it's imperfect never that bad and it doesn't last that long it's not unlike birdies last year with you guys. I don't think it'd be torrential. So if it's if it's good conditions and there's 300 people, and as I said, there's probably there's always another three or four people that come out the woodwork each, each event. You know, who, who push push the boundaries. So apart from the five of us here, you know, or four probably, there's um I reckon you're gonna get you're gonna get a lot of people doing 24 hours. I reckon I guarantee it'd be a new record for 24 hours, whatever that record is. You know, the amount of people at 24 is gonna get smashed in two weeks time a lot of people now will get to 24 mm. and then it's the next step to 48 and of course then then 72 and beyond so it's a gradual i think every year more and more people are getting the hang of it and um you know whereas when me and phil set the record two years ago 47 48 you know that's just that's a warm-up now two years later you know 47 48 probably won't even get your top 10. So um, the boundaries are being pushed every year because people are just getting just getting, know what what to expect, and hurdies is definitely the easiest. You know, well, birdies is more fun, but hurdies is the one way you can set the record. And I think you know, unfortunately, the last couple of years, Phil's been let down by his uh, assists, <laughs> so he's, he's never really got a, a massive number. You know, my forty-seven, and then Chaitan, what was it, 50, 51, 52 last year, Phil? Uh, you won it. I got fifty, yeah, fifty that year, which is one lap. I mean, one lap before equaling the record. Yeah, so so each year, unfortunately, but now with, with Rob and Aaron and, and Jess on board and a few others, I, I suspect that it's it's really going to get smashed, and uh, and I'll be looking into the seventies and eighties in good conditions, definitely. Yeah, not me. I'll, I'll be watching. <laughs> I just, I just saw my 48, Phil. Just get me the 48. Yeah, I'm gone. Yeah. I'm retiring at 48. 
How have you pulled up um, from the 200 miler, Kev? Yeah, that's no, good. You know, um, I, I normally do pull up okay for the 200 miler. The only thing is you sort of get depressed because it's so much fun. The 200 miler is so much fun. Yeah. Um, when you, you, sort of, you, you sort of come back to earth and you, you know, you're running again and all you're thinking about is how much fun you had. Um, so uh, I, I um, didn't do much running last week, did more cycling to work. And of course, you're straight into the a two-week taper now, the hurdies. So I was in the hills today, um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm getting excited about hurdies coming up in two weeks' time. Mm. But after the 200-mile, uh, yeah, that's my happy place. You all need to do it. Phil went past me 100, you know, sprinted past me. We, we met about three in the morning. He did have a little chat and we took a selfie and he carried on. <laughs> but they, um, they generally put up a car after 200 miles. So, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good for Hurdies anyway. That's good. And, and Rob, you did the 100 miler as well, didn't you? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I did the 100 miles. I think um, past Kev on the beach just after he found his special package and um, <laughs> we'll bring all the leases. <laughs> one off, one off, Bob, one off. <laughs> I think there's a good time. So anyway, we can read the post, but um, yeah, well, yeah, Robin, uh, Robin Floyd did the hundred, which is which is good. They should have done the two hundred. The two hundred is a lot more fun. The hundreds, I keep saying, the hundreds of race, the two hundreds an adventure. And yeah, Jess, think... how was your last night? Was that a fifty mile or fifty k? Fifty k, yeah, two okay. nights ago, fifty k. Good, no problem. No, all good. So it was just a training run, really. So just went out sort of at a steady pace. And then yeah. last 15K, just dialed back the pace a little bit. Didn't want to get injured. So, yeah, it was a really, really good time. It was a three-lap, sorry, a three-kilometre course. Um, so super social. You're just seeing people the whole time. So, yeah, it was a really fun event. We all love these events that we go round and round in circles. Loops, yeah. <laughs> Light horse 2.5K, you know, they're just, they're just the best. I was going to say, um, it's worth mentioning we've got the um, one and two from the Aura Points Comp last year on this uh, podcast as well. Phil I don't want to talk about that, Pat. I don't want to talk about that. I'm still upset <laughs> with Phil on a technicality. I don't know what it was. I didn't win. <laughs> you could have given it to me. You won everything else. <laughs> Just yeah. this one. <laughs> I, thought you were, I thought you were home and hose when we spoke about oh, yeah. it. Yeah, so did I. So did I. <laughs> it couldn't have been any closer, though, could have it? I know. We're the same points, all three of us, whatever it was then. <sighs> were, you gunning, were you gunning for that win, Phil? Um, only towards probably the second half of the year. Um, I saw, like, my points, I was kind of in with a chance. So, um, <laughs> yeah, kind of yeah, started, started looking at it then. Um, but I wasn't really, like, picking my events based on that or anything, but I was just, you know, every, every sort of extra lap I could have done, um, you know, just adds to those points. So, and it, it basically, it, it came down to, to just a few laps of a backyard that, that determined the difference. So. <laughs> oh, well, I tried, I tried, Paolo, I tried, I, you know, it's not often you do uh, you know, over a hundred points and still not win. Yeah. Are you going to be gunning for it this year, though? No, no, because I'm, I'm off to the UK in June for that. Oh, so because of that, you know, I've got this one and I've got, I'll do hurdies, I'll do light horse, and I'll disappear for all of June, come back in July. But, of course, I'll miss a few events. But I'll, I'll, I'll be doing um, birdies and uh, 
Phil. I'm just not sure about two backyard archers in, in SA. Mm. I'm making this miss this year. So no, no. Not this year. I'll let Phil have it. <laughs> um, so Aaron, I've noticed that you've been training like an absolute Trojan since like the start of the year. So the new job is all good and you're still finding time to do training, obviously. Uh, yeah, it's well, work and training is pretty much most of my life at the moment. Um, yeah, but my, my training in the lead up to this is, is pretty similar to what I did before birdies. Um, things, things are like I'm having now been running for a little bit longer, like I'm starting to go a little bit quicker. Um, but you know, uh, the, the, the structure of what I've done over the last couple of months is pretty similar to the structure that I had leading up to hurdies. Um, couple of like, you know, a couple of, um, long runs each week and a couple of interval sessions and, and trying to get into the gym a couple of times a week as well for strength training. Um, yeah. And then. Yeah, I, I guess I, I use, I have, because I, I was training like triathlon in 2021. Um, I still go down and do swimming on Monday nights with the people that I was, uh, it's more of a social thing than anything. And I use it as a bit of an active recovery kind of session. But yeah, their training's, training's been going really well. Um, and, you know, it's, it's nice. Like it's certainly the, the last um a couple of weeks i did have a couple of people join me on some of my long runs and come and my friend john joined me for a ride or two and um you know i went running with chris a few times chris martin who you would have met at the satellite champs and so that's that's yeah it's all been going really well you had um you think you had well you did have COVID last year for hurdies didn't you is that the one that you tested positive for COVID? not i uh, tested my um well, my partner at the time tested positive the day after, That's and then as soon as she got positive test, I tested myself. So two days after yeah. the race finished, and I had it um, tested positive. So yeah, it's it's quite likely that I had it because I, I was feeling like not great, and I just chalked it up to the, you know, I, I that was only the second time I'd done a taper, and when I did the taper for the Ironman, which wasn't that far before that. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel great during the taper either. So I just thought that was what going through a taper felt like. So, um, yeah, it was just, uh, look, I don't think I had COVID or, like really bad, but it's, I still probably had a bit of an impact on me. Yeah. Have you thought about any adjustments or are you going to make any adjustments um, at Herdy's? Um, compared to the set champs or like have you decided on any strategies or anything you're going to do different um look a lot of the stuff is is minor adjustments i think the the biggest challenges that i see for hurdies is um you know it's it's either it like looking at the weather um you know it's not looking awfully hot at the moment but you know the the forecast two weeks out can sometimes not be that accurate so i guess the challenge i see is probably the heat and humidity um could be something that's that people are going to deal with so i've just been trying to work on a few ways to deal with that and um one of the things has been doing a lot of my training in the heat as, as much as i could i've been for, for a few midday runs and um you know i spend a bit of time in the sauna leading up to a race 
just to kind of prepare for the heat. Um, and I guess with the getting a little bit quicker over these last, um, over, over the course of the last year, um, you know, one of, one of the big advantages that I see that Phil has is because he's such a quick runner is that he, he does do some quick laps and get some like really good sleep. So I'll be looking to have a lot more consistent sleep than I've, than I had at, at birdies or the sat champs and trying to get quite a few more, um, sleep laps in, in the overnight stints. Yeah. They're probably the two main things. Yeah. Sounds good. Does, um, and Rob, I was going to say like that 73 that you ran at Miram, weren't it? When you're obviously high up on the at large list, do you feel safe? With your uh, on the at large list with that seventy three, um, not really in the sense that you look at like Kev was saying earlier, the progression like people are getting like large amounts more. It's not like incremental one or two laps in these races. It's like big chunks people are increasing. So, uh, like, and there's a few of these masters events lined up where people's intention is to get on that that list and to get up really high. So, no, I, like, I'm. Like, I won't be confident until, you know, it's done and it's closed off. Um, just the number of races, the number of people that want to get on that list and and essentially it's in their hands, really, as long as there's two of them able to keep going. Um, so, you know, like, I'll, I'll be booking the tickets over and it'll either be a holiday or it'll be a race, one of the two. Um, hopefully it's a race and a holiday, but, um, yeah, no, I definitely don't feel safe until, until the uh, at-large just closes off. Yeah. So are you approaching Herdies as an opportunity to like like do it like do more than 73 to like cement your spot there? Or is it more yeah, how are you approaching it? Yeah, I'm not really going in specifically to try and increase um uh like increase numbers on the um on the at-large list. Just again, like each time you walk away from one of the races, you're you wonder whether you've done enough or you could have, could you have done more? You always think you could have done more afterwards. So it's, I guess it's trying to find that, that limit um, and really make sure for this one, for me, it'll be just like not, not quitting. So I guess in the last one, the sat champs, I, I, I went out on lap 74 and then just turned around and came back in. Um, mm. But I was still doing 50 odd minute laps. So I just mentally checked out and decided that was enough. Um, so I just really want to make sure that, you know, I go and, and the only option in my head is to win. Um, that way there's no number I'm getting to. There's no um, milestone. It's just keep going until you're, you're the only one left. So that, that's sort of how I'm approaching it. Yeah. And are you, you, you going to make any changes as well? Because at bigs, like you've got a much more minimalist kind of setup there. So are you going to like change anything as far as your crew goes or any strategy like that goes just to sort of like get a strategy for bigs down? Not really. I guess um, the sat champs was probably a good test for that. Um, like my wife is always my, my main crew chief and, and most of the time my, uh, like my only crew member. Um, so the sat champs, I only, I just had her and she had a good system set up. Um, you know, it's almost sometimes it's, it's easier when there's less people. Um, I find because otherwise you sit down, you've got three people asking if you want something and you just like all you want is just to sit there quietly and do nothing. Um, so I think my wife's really good at that single person crewing. Um, so there's not a lot will really change, I don't think, 
Uh, there's nothing I really want to trial at Hurdies. Um, I think the yeah, the, like I said, the Sat Champs was really good. We just had her, um, and yeah, she was keen to keep going at 73 hours. So um, I think we've got that pretty well down pat. Mm. And um, are you a good sleeper between loops? Like when you did the seven speeds, you didn't. No, I I think um, I think I probably got about a total of twenty minutes combined yeah. um, over the whole race. But in saying that, I found like just lying down for maybe six or seven minutes and trying to sleep for me like physically almost felt as good as sleeping. Like I'd have a lap where I'm you know you're nodding off while you're walking, you're really struggling with fatigue and I'd lie down, I wouldn't sleep, but I'd, I'd just have my eyes closed and, and try and sleep. And then the next lap I'd feel okay. So I found that just lying down, eyes closed, doing nothing for me um, is really sort of what got me through. I think cause I just don't, because I run slow laps, I just don't have the time to really get into a good sleep. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't until right near the end of that, that race that I was coming in, lying down and actually going out um for sort of four or five minutes the rest of the time it was really just yeah i was i was awake but i was i was resting and that was pretty well enough for me yeah and are you feeling like cherry ripe now after that 100 miler yeah i i came out with a bit of a, a sore calf afterwards it was came pretty tight in about the last 40 k's and i, was, I ran through that so um i've been actually taking it pretty easy the last couple of weeks since then haven't really done much running um so i'm just I figure at this point I'm not going to get any fitter um, between now and Hurdy, so I'm just making sure it's right and keeping the mobility and flexibility up um, is the the key and hoping that a, a longer taper will put me in good stead when I get there. Yeah, sounds good. Um, and, Kev, you did the 200-miler the other day and you mentioned it a little bit before, but I'm really keen on hearing a little bit more about the 200-miler and about what you found on the beach. What you mean the kid of cocaine? Yeah. Know, the kid of cocaine. yeah, which I swapped for a chicken risotto and a cup of tea with free sugars. <laughs> that's the most expensive chicken risotto. All joking aside, that's probably the most expensive meal on this planet ever since man yeah. trod on the planet. $350,000 with risotto, tea, free sugars. I didn't even get a sweet. I gave the guy the, the kid of cocaine and I assumed he called the police. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know what happened. <laughs> Yeah, we found the kilo. We, me and Sarah, we walked it in. Did I have the kilo when I saw you, Phil? Or was it afterwards? Yeah. No, you had it when I saw you. Yeah. So um, we couldn't open it. So we walked to the A station and we opened it, of course. We had to see whether it was a kilo of cocaine. It was, we, we, the video, I'll, I'll send you the video. It was, yeah, we're rich, we're rich. <laughs> and it was. So they called the police and then the... Denmark police turned up, and then they got they got stumped by the by the Albany police turned up, then the judge squad turned up, then border security turned up. So I think later on in the day, there's about fifteen policemen around this aid station. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. That was the highlight of the uh, two hundred mile. And there's obviously more there. If if the if, if that that's if that's your thing, I suggest you walk down to Paris Beach uh, with, a, with a head torch because there's probably more coming in. <laughs> But that was the highlight of the 200, Paddo, I must admit. And, of course, as soon as you get home, it's amazing. You get home, you tell the story, and everyone knows someone who could have sold it for me. You know, <laughs> everyone. You know, oh, everyone's having a go at you. Kev, you know, why did you give it to the police? Well, it's, it's illegal. It's a kilo of cocaine. Oh, you could have sold it. What part of illegal don't you understand? 
<laughs> and knowing my luck, of course, I'll sell it, get caught, and go straight to jail. And I'm far too attractive to be in jail. Far too attractive. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> and that was it. That, that, was, that was the highlight of the 200 miler um, mm. to find a cute little cocaine. And you, um, Phil and Rob, you did you both run along the same part of the beach? That's what I mean. See, I found it and I gave mine in. Now, Phil and Rob had, had backpacks on, you know, and Rob, Rob had a dodgy calf, maybe. Phil, Phil did very well in the second half. If you look at his Strava, his speed increases exponentially after he met me. I'm not saying anything. I mean, I'm not the sort of guy to call it, but I'm just saying Rob and Phil were there at the same time. And if there was lots of packages, they were ahead of me. So they could have picked up four or five kilos each. If you see Phil and Rob in Lamborghinis and Ferraris, you will know it's cocaine. Uh, hey, um, and you, I know you said before your goal is forty-eight hours. <laughs> oh, yes. Your your best is forty. Is your best forty-seven at the moment? Forty-seven. Can you believe they let me stop at forty-seven? You know, ridiculous, <laughs> ridiculous. Sean Kessler and Phil, and this is a time where we went way beyond what we, we thought we we're going to get. You know, that was when everyone dropped out at thirty-three and, and left me, well, left me and Phil together for 13, 14 hours, and I, I was gone by probably high thirties. I didn't. I didn't know what day of the week it was. <laughs> I didn't know where I was, yeah. and I kept. I kept saying one more lap, kept one more lap, and then um, got to forty-seven. And you know, Sean Kessler goes, you know, that's it. You know, if you want, you can finish because Phil would get forty-eight, which is a uh, this is a big deal at the time. But I, I had no idea what my name was, so I didn't know what forty-seven. The difference between forty-seven and forty-eight is massive, as you know. You know, one hundred ninety-six miles or one hundred ninety-seven miles compared to two hundred. Hmm, you know. How would Sean do that to me? You know, he could have kicked me out for one more lap. So last year, you know, last year was 48. And so I was, I was, I was a bit like um, the boys, you know, I, I had COVID and I tested positive on a Monday and a Tuesday. So I was as bad. I didn't feel great the whole time and staggered to 34 and timed out. Until you time timed out. But this year, I'm ready. I just want my 48. I'm not greedy. I just want 48 at my age. That's all I want. And at 48, we'll see where we are. But um, yeah. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a long way. It's, it's, it's a warm up to these guys, but to me, it's a, it's a stretch goal. It's a 48. Mm -hmm. All I want, one more lap. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Jess, between the Sat Champs and now you spend a bit of time overseas, so you must be feeling pretty fresh and ready to go. Yeah. So it's been a weird kind of build up to this one because I was away for about six weeks over our summer um, over in Europe. So, Northern Hemisphere, um, in the snow, in the cold obviously very different to the summer over here. So did sign up for an ultra while I was away, you know, as you do. Yeah. <laughs> You're on, hol on holiday, but you've still got to get it in. So um, did a, uh, it was a 70K over in London. Um, so just sort of did that almost as a training run just to keep up, um, keep up the kilometres. Held me accountable to actually do some runs whilst I was away as well. So did that, came back, and then I've just had five weeks of sort of solid 100 kilometer plus weeks to try and get the sort of the run back in my legs but yeah feeling good good hit out at the 50k last weekend um and then taper starts now pretty much so yeah just excited and um what countries did you go to we were sort of a little bit all over the place so we flew into berlin um straight to the beer hall straight to a pork knuckle and a, and a stein of beer so that kind of set the scene for the rest of the holiday um and then we're up in Scotland visiting some friends um, up to the north of Scotland, so nice and snowy up there. Um, and then over to Iceland, 
Um, so a week over in Iceland, back to London for the race, um, and then two weeks in Eastern Europe, sort of mm. Central Eastern Europe. Cool. So sort of all over the place. I tried to run at least once in every location. Yeah. Um, it's just such a good way to see the city. You know, you can get around in the morning when it's early. There's no tourists around. Um, you can see a lot more. You can get a lot further. So, yeah, tried to run at least once in each place. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. bit different, though, running in sort of three or four layers at a time just to stay warm. Um, um, and you mentioned – oh, sorry. No, one of the other highlights was um, actually the park run that I did in Poland and it had snowed the night before. So you're sort of doing park run and you've still got, I think there was 80-odd people there, maybe 100 people there, just all in the snow running around. It's just a normal weekend for them. And I'm just yeah. there going, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. Like this yeah. is so different to anything I get at home. So, yeah, yeah. that was definitely a highlight. I've heard that running in, in like really nice fresh snow like feels awesome under underfoot as well. Yeah, fresh snow is great. Ice, not so great. Um, so definitely, like in Iceland, it was just ice everywhere. So I just didn't even bother when I was there. Um, but yeah, you just got to sort of take it easy. But the fresh snow is is unreal. Yeah. The um, and your you referred to this um, Hurdies as your redemption run after. Oh the yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So satellite champs. So I did twenty six hours um, at the satellites. So. My PB is 45, so that was obviously significantly less than that. Um, bit of an unfortunate sort of series of events. So I had my partner, Jared, crewing me, um, got to the second night, and I was really struggling with fatigue. So I think I was maybe running with Aaron, and I was running with Carl um, and Margie at the time as well, and just really struggling with fatigue. So I came in on this lap and thought, right, Jared, I need to sleep. Wake me up before the start. Anyway, I've put my head down and I don't always get to sleep, but this time I did. Um, unfortunately, he also fell asleep in that time. So I've literally woken up to knocking on the van door where I was sleeping um, and sort of sat bolt upright and it was the race director, Peter, and Carl's girlfriend, Lauren, there. And I've just gone, what? With a few expletives, obviously. Looked at my clock and it was 104 and I've just, you know, like, it's over. It's done. Like nothing you can do so sort of woke Jared up and just said it's done it's done um and then it's just dealing with that obviously afterwards which is pretty uh pretty hard to deal with you know a coming to terms with it yourself but b how can you get upset when that person's given up their time you know they've spent a lot of money to get over there they're devastated as well there's a lot to deal with there so obviously didn't go to plan but we've definitely dealt with that um I think it's made us stronger from a race perspective um, in how we sort of handle the different challenges of the race, um, but also just together, I think that makes us stronger as well. But um, yeah. definitely put different things into place going into Hurdies. Um, got a few extra crew members to help out, which will, because um, it's hard on them as well. Yeah. Like it's really hard on the crew. Um, they're fatigued as well. They don't get much sleep. Um, they're then sitting around for a lot of the time as well. So, you know, yeah. I think we don't want to underestimate how hard it is on them. Um, but, yeah, definitely want to get up more near my PB and beyond this time. So yeah, looking forward yeah, to it. Sure. Um, you also mentioned that um, you found it a little bit hard to find your motivation for backyard ultras as well. Um, is How did you get it back? Or do you have it, like, you are you fired up again? Yeah, it's been a really weird arc. So 
immediately after, like literally the week after, I was like writing in a journal, putting down plans, like straight back into running. I had another 50K in December, six inch. So straight into training for that and got super motivated. And then sort of around Christmas, New Year, you're away on holiday, just start thinking, oh man, I don't have the training here. Like I don't have the kilometers. Um, I don't even know if I want to do this anymore um, because it is really difficult. And then it was actually listening to, I think it was maybe Nicole or someone on your podcast. I can't remember exactly who, but just the way they're explaining it and just, you know, how much it's a mental push to keep on going that sort of just reignited the fire completely. Um, and seeing things like even Kev was talking about the 47 that he did. Um, I didn't know Kev at the time, but I was there that day. And just seeing the way he just kept going lap after lap after lap and he kept shaking his head and he's like, no, nah, I'm done, I'm done. And then Sean would go, it's three more laps till this or whatever. And he's like, okay, three more. Yep, I can do three more. And then he goes out and does that. And then Sean goes, well, it's one more till the record. And you just see him go, yeah, okay, I can do that. And it's just that mental sort of push that it's addictive, you know, can you mentally keep going and sort of hearing that on the podcast um, just sort of reignited that fire. So, yeah, really ready to go again. Yeah. It's because Backyard Ultras are such long, grueling, tiring events, do any of others, any of the other of you um, feel a lack of motivation to do another one after you've finished doing a long Backyard Ultra sometimes? Uh, during the Backyard Ultra, like when you get to around... 24 to 36 hours i'm just like i'm not doing another one of these why did i sign up for this again i'm not doing it yeah but then once i'm finished and you just get that elation um yeah you just yeah you want to sign up for another one yeah um once you've had a good sleep and sort of maybe a couple of days to recover um but yeah i don't yeah it's it's during the race i'll get those thoughts but afterwards i'm like yeah i want to do another one yeah that's pretty um i'm surprised actually you said after like 24 or 36 hours you start thinking that because that means you're fighting those thoughts for a pretty long time yeah so i think it just gets boring yeah. and it's just that monotonous grind you get to you get to 24 hours and you're thinking well i still have to do all of this again before i'm even at 48 hours and 24 hours just seems like such a long time at that point um but then once you start you know you get past that 36 or past that 48 hours um you know you start getting into that new territory or well for me now it's going to be onto the third day um it it starts to get exciting again and you you're finding these new limits and um yeah you, like you think you're done but then you surprise yourself and do another five six seven however many laps mm -hmm. um and so i think that sort of just gives you the drive to keep going but yeah w when you're in the middle of it like halfway through it just gets boring and you're just like why am i doing this why did i sign up for this like i'm only at 24 hours and i've already got sore legs and i'm already tired this is stupid <laughs> um but yeah you just got to just take it lap by lap. Um, try not to think about how much further you've got to go. Um, like I don't even, on my watch, I don't even look at my overall distance. I only look at the distance for that lap. Um, and I just try to, yeah, just 
like I'm always going to be aware of sort of what time of day it is and things like that, but I just try not to think about it. Um, just just look at the lap that I'm on and just focus on that lap. Do you set your watch, like set your watch for each lap, start and stop? Yes, I I will lap it each um, lap. Yeah. So when I I I turn off my auto lap, um, so it's not beeping at me every kilometer. Um, but yeah, after the six point seven, I press lap. And then the, the watch is still running during the break. And then when I start the next lap, I press the lap button again. So at the end of it as well, I look on my Garmin. I've got all the breakdown of, of each individual lap and each individual break. Um, and then whilst I'm running it, I can just look at the pace that I'm on for that lap and I can, I can track it a lot better. I don't have to do any like mental calculations in my head as I'm, as I'm running along. I just, I know what pace I need to be at for that lap. I know what the distance is going to be for the, for that lap, and that's all I got to worry about. Yeah. So, Phil, you've got your golden ticket to big. So, um, you're obviously you don't need to worry about that. But does, are you going to start tinkering with your strategy um, at Herdy's um, to get ready and adjust to the minimal minimalist conditions at um, Bigs? Yeah. So I am going a bit more minimalist, not quite as much as. I'm going to be restricted at bigs, um, but it's yeah. It's also going to be a good chance for my crew for for Gem to be able to work with less because um, I've always had a lot of crew. Um, I think the Satellite Champs was my smallest crew, and that was three people. Um, so yeah, Gem's going to be doing a lot of it on her own, and. So we have to play around with sleeping strategies. Like she'll go and sleep for three hours and then I've got to look after myself. Or um, I was talking with Aaron as well about um, sharing crew. So like just helping each other and hopefully Aaron can get over to Biggs as well. And um, yeah, or, or any of the, the WA guys that get over there, um, I'm sure we can sort of come up with some sort of arrangement to have our crews help out each other. Because I, I think that's going to be the biggest difference at Biggs is only being allowed that one crew. Um, yeah, it, it's it'll be a bit of a, a bit different to what I'm used to. So I have to um, work on that. Yeah, are you going to kind of like um, scale down each backyard ultra you do for this year leading up to Biggs to kind of like slowly get to that point? Or have you not really thought about it? Uh, I've, yeah, I've only just really thought about Herdies at this stage. So I've got the the Masters in June um, and that'll be, um, again, I've got, I've got to get on a plane and fit everything that I need to take in a suitcase. So I'll be minimalist by that sort of, those restrictions I've got on me there as well. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, I'll just take, take each race as it comes. Yeah, that's going to be a per perfect opportunity, isn't it? Because you've got the day course and night course like bigs as well at um, the Masters. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Should should be good. Um, it will be interesting having the different course. I I think I would prefer that format. Just you, you don't have the same monotony the whole time. You're like it's like when you do a a twenty four hour race. And you get to turn around and change direction. It's it's sort of something to look forward to, even though you're still on the same course, but go in a different direction. It's like wow, this is like completely new to me now. Yeah. Um, so I think that day and night loop 
will be a good thing. Um, but yeah, at Bigs, I've heard that the the day course isn't really that easy. Mm. Uh, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge as well. So I think I'll be really looking forward to those night laps where I can yeah. stretch my legs out a bit more. Yeah. Um, have you got your tickets yet, like over there yet? Or have you like, planned when you're going to get there, how long before and stuff? Uh, we have, we've just worked on getting the, the passports and stuff organised at this stage. Um, we've been looking at prices for tickets and trying to work out when we can fly. Uh, I've I've got my my leave from work around that time, so I've just managed to move that just the other week. So that's worked really well. Um, yeah, so I should have enough time to get there. I'd like to get there at least a week before and stay at least a week after, yeah. and then allow a week for the event. So I hopefully be able to make a, a three week holiday out of it. Yeah, cool. Um, are you going with? Are you going to take the whole family or? Um... Just you and yeah, you. so that's another thing we've got to work work out. So definitely we'll be taking Gemma. Um, we got to work out what to do with the kids because even even if we can bring the kids with us um, to the event, it's still that means Gemma now has to look after more than just me. So we've got to work out if we can get a babysitter to come across with us to, to watch the kids for those few days or yeah, what are we going to do with them? But, yeah, we'd like to take them along. Mm-hmm. um yeah it's a make a nice family holiday out of it yeah sure um i've got a few listener questions on instagram um so i'll read them out and we'll see how we go um do you have, do you have any dark horses to watch out for at hurdies I, don't I can't just, think he's on the start list, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's really a dark horse, but I know Carl's really trying to give everything, Carl Douglas really put everything into um, the backyard format. Like, obviously, the last couple of years, he's done a lot of trail running, a lot of obstacle course racing, and, and it sounds like at the moment he's really just focused on on the backyard format. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how he goes because he's a really good runner. Yeah. I think there will be some dark horses, but I just don't know who they are yet. But it just seems like each event, there's always someone who surprises me. And I'm just like, where did this person come from? And, um, yeah, like, there just seems to be someone coming out of the woodwork or, you know, they've been doing training that they haven't been putting up on Strava or something like that and just someone that you wouldn't expect. And because it is a lot more of that mental thing as well, um, like someone who might not be, like, winning a lot of races or have that, you, you might not think that they have that physical endurance, but they've got that mental endurance. And then, yeah, they, they could just come and surprise you on the day. Yeah. Well, there's going to be 300 people, so there's going to be at least yeah. a couple of surprises. Yeah, definitely. Um, are there any different tactics to manage the early loops with such a large number of runners? Just start at the front, yeah. and then the front just do, do a good, yeah. do a good first K, and then you can settle. Like once you're a K into it, you can, yeah, kind of settle into a slower pace or, or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, even, having said that, even if you start at the back and you're just really slow at the start, you'll be able to make up that time during the lap. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't stress about it too much. Yeah, I think it could almost be a help rather than a hindrance because it holds you back a little bit because at the start of these backyards, you feel good. So 
you potentially go out a bit quicker than maybe you should. So, yeah, I don't think it'll affect the actual lap times too much. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to time out because they're locked behind mm. too many people. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem would just be if, um, yeah, you you don't want to be lining up for the toilets or things like that when you finish the lap. So mm. if you, yeah, you don't want to be getting in around the same time as a lot of other people. So just, yeah, have to try and manage that a little bit. The starting corral must be pretty big. Yeah, well, there's actually about, I think it's a 150 metres or maybe even up to 200 metres between the finish and the start. Yeah. So there's, there's plenty of room to accommodate there. But I think it's really just probably the first, I don't know, 30 metres maybe that, that fills up and it, it's pretty jam-packed in there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just generally start at the front, so I, I miss all of that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I've been asked what shoes are all of you going to wear? Uh, so I've got my Tarcons, um, and then I, I, I sort of alternate. Um, but this sort of race, because you don't need to go, you don't need to go fast, or you don't need any. There's there's nothing technical. So just a, a really good volume trainer, I think, is what you want. Something that's comfy, um, and yeah, just a few different shoes because you'll find that your foot might start rubbing in a certain in a certain point, and if you just change your shoes. It, it can stop that so yeah i also find i and i'd learned the first year i did hurdies i made this mistake um is i i actually run in a pair uh half a size bigger um or a whole size bigger for these backyard ultras or have one available for later on in the race um because the shoe i usually run you know one or two hours in is fine like but then longer and longer into the first backyard i did my just my toes were just getting so sore um, just from rubbing on the end of the shoe. So I've got um, – like I run in Hoka Clifton's most of the time and I've got a pair that's a size bigger and I've also got a pair that's the wide foot um, style as well just to get some extra room in the toe box. So, yeah, that's what I'm, I'm using. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's 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 similar for me. Trying, I've, I've increased the size of the shoes that I run in by – I was running in size 10s when I started Hurdies last year, and now I'm running in size 12s in general. Wow. So I've gone with much larger shoes just because last year I, I had so much trouble with blisters and foot care, and I found that by running in bigger shoes, it's really helped help my feet. Yeah. That's a pretty big difference from 10 to 12. Yeah. And I, I, I think maybe my feet have also grown a little bit, but I, I'm not really 100% sure. Yeah. Um, exactly how it all works, though. With mm. uh, what about you, Kev? I know you love your shoes. Yeah, no, Hocker, the, the Hocker Mac Fives. I would go in the Hocker Mac Fives with the uh, the triathlon tri the triathlon laces that Phil recommends. You know, the ones where you can just slip your shoes off and on. You don't tie double knots every time. Yeah, yeah. that's a little trick I got from Phil because the first time I did hurdies, I didn't take my shoes off till about forty laps in. And as soon as I took my shoes off, the bloody feet expanded. I put the shoes back on. I was in agony for the next two laps. So um, Phil mentioned the um, triathlon, the, the laces, the, the, the elastic laces. So you don't actually tie your shoes. And every time I, I, I finish a lap, the shoes come off, you know, get get in the chair, get the feet in the air, and then get look, looked after. 
but then by taking the shoes off every lap, you know, your feet don't expand as, as much or as quickly by wow. leaving the shoes on for like 40 hours. That's a big mistake taking them off. Right. So, um, yeah, Hockenmack fives. Um, I'll wear, I'll probably wear the same shoes the whole time, but just take them off after every lap. Right. Okay. And, um, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. No, that, that's another field trick. Yeah. That one off. Yeah. Yeah. So you, just to clarify, you take off your shoes between each lap. Yeah, yeah to... definitely. I get, I get on the, you know, get on the seat, put the seat back, shoes off. Yeah. And then I'll just, you know, get my food or drink, whatever, then put the shoes back on again. So if I was doing that every lap, I'm doing a double lace, it'd become a bit of a pain in the backside. So these triathlons, these triathlon laces work really well. Yeah. A bit, they've got a bit, they've got a bit of give as well. But they, um, yeah, it's what Phil does. Yeah. So I do what Phil does. <laughs> um, do, do, on me. do all of you take off your shoes between loops? Yeah, most of the uh, time. Yeah. What about you, Jess? What, what shoes are you going to be wearing? Um, I go with the Ultra Paradigm. So they're quite a, um, quite a volume trainer on the road for Ultra. Um, but I just like mixing it up. So I've got different pairs or different pairs of the same shoe that I just change it up. Um, yeah. Don't so much take my shoes off every lap. Sometimes I will just to roll my foot out, like get a ball, tennis ball, and just roll my foot out. Um, but yeah, just changing up the shoes, I think, works really well for me. Yeah, cool. <clears throat> um, what's one piece of advice to a first-time backyarder who wants to do well? Keep eating. Yeah. <laughs> Eat. Like, you burn so many calories and... You, you get to that point where it's, it's harder and harder to eat. So you really just want to keep up the calories that you're taking in from early on and just eat as much as you can with still being able to run, I would say. And that's the thing that did me in my first two backyards, which is that I wasn't eating enough. And then you get tired and then your brain function starts to deteriorate and you just decide not to keep going. So I think eating is really important um, as a new person to the backyard, getting used to that. Yeah, sure. I reckon two things would be um, get sleep before you need it, like try and sleep or rest. Um, like if you if you want to go, you know, if you're saying they want to do really well or get some big numbers is definitely get that sleep in as soon as you can. Um, and the other one is don't set a goal. Like don't have a, don't have a number. Don't go, I want 24, I want 36 or whatever. It, it's like if you want, if you want a really big number is you just, you just have to go until you can't go anymore. Because um, as soon as you set that number, that's what I did in my first backyard. 36 laps was like my A goal. It was like that, you know, that'd be amazing if I could reach that. And I found I was counting down the laps to that point. And then once I got to that point, I was like, I'm done. Um, when physically I could have kept going. So I, I think if setting setting a goal, a target goal, is um, is always a risk. Yeah. that You'll just bomb out mentally once you reach that goal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So my, my advice would be to have a plan. Um, just break it down each hour, what you're going to do. Um, play around with paces for the different laps. Write down what you're going to eat. Um, I, I'd agree with Robin saying not to set a goal, um, but with your plan, you've got to write it to go up to something. So just put it to something that's so unrealistic and far-fetched. Um, put it up to 200 laps if you want. So that way you're not setting you're not writing up your plan to 48 hours and then you know you suddenly find yourself at 48 hours and you'll be thinking oh well now what 
um, if your goal just goes to something ridiculous, then um, yeah, you, you'll just be able to keep going and going. Yeah. Um, what about you, Kev? Any advice for a first backyarder? Yeah, I think um, I think the first time they, they can go so much further than they think they can. They all can, you know. They really can. This format is built to get you distance because you're stopping every every hour for 10 15 minutes you're surrounded by like-minded people you get to, you get to be at the front every hour on the hour so you just get dragged along and as, as um, what Jess says you know any ultra it's all about eating and drinking the number of people I know who, who time out or, or tap outside because because they've got stomach issues oh my god everyone gets stomach issues luckily I don't get stomach issues <laughs> my wife's such a bad cook I don't think she heard that so, I, so I'm very lucky, you know, these 200 milers, I'll eat all sorts of crap and I'll just keep on going. So I'm very lucky that I can do that. Whereas um, I know Phil has got exactly what he wants, his toast and his avocado, which is eat proper food as well. That's another one, eat proper food. You can't survive 48, 76 hours on gels and goos. You need proper food as much as you can. Big lunch, big dinner, um, big breakfast. When, when you're going to eat, you know, you eat when you're not, when you get, when you should be eating. You know, I have a big breakfast in the morning, nice big lunch, and then a nice big dinner, and then I'll, and then I'll graze and as much proper food as I can. Not as nice as Phil, and I get, I get taste in avocado, but rice pudding, etc., and anything full of calories. But and also, you are going to go further than you think you can. So the most important thing is tap out, don't time out. You know, if, if you tap out, then you know you're done. You know, if you don't make it in the hour. There's nothing more you can do. You know, you know you've given it your all. And um, I reckon 10% of people tap out of the 300, of the 300 I reckon I reckon only about 30, maybe less than that, will actually tap out. They'd always you mean time always, out? Time out, sorry. Time out, tap out. Yeah, time out. So I get my time out and tap out confused. Only, only about 10% will time out. Everyone else taps out. And they can always think of excuses at the time. And... Um, you know, uh, if you say to yourself, look, I'm going to time out and just tell your crew, don't let me tap out, you know, kick me out, make me time out. But then when you when you time out, you know, you've given it your all and you know that you can do no more. You tried to do it in the hour, you couldn't get in. Enough, enough said. But so many people don't, you know, I've, I've done, this is number nine. I think I've only timed out once. That was at Hurdy's last year, the other seven I've made an excuse. I've got my numbers. I'm happy where I am. You know, even with Phil, you know, I was pretty close. But even then, you know, I got to 47 and I, I, I tapped out. I didn't time that. Didn't time out. So, but very, um, very few people time out. So that that'd be that'd be an excuse. You know, if you, the first time, I just see what you can do. You know, don't ring the bell and unless you uh, unless you have to. Yeah. That's it. Um, Aaron, do you have any advice for a first time backyarder? I think um, the, the advice that's been given so far is is pretty good. It was a couple of things were the first things that came to mind for me, but, but maybe maybe something I, I guess I learned from um, my first backyard is um, even though I'd written down a bit of a plan, I I didn't actually I didn't do a very good job at communicating with my crew about what I thought I might need, uh, particularly in the later stages in terms of like. Um, even even how I want them to talk to me or, you know, I think at Herdy's last year, at one point I probably had about seven or so people like hanging around um, the marquee and everyone wanted to help because they were 
they, you know, they were excited that I got to 20. I was about probably about 26, 27 laps at that time. And I actually found that quite overwhelming. So, um, you know, I think uh, something that's, that's good to think about is just, you know, really being clear and communicating with your crew about what, what, what you want them to do and to set them up so that they know how to help you the best way that they can. Cause um, I think that, that I found that um, as I've gone through, I've got much better at, at being able to get the right assistance that I've needed, um, particularly at times where you're like struggling. The um, yeah, I've, I've actually got one though as well. Um, because you're going to be going further than you've probably ever gone before, you, you're likely to chafe worse than you've ever chafed before. So get some chafing cream and put it on. Oh, don't, don't even go there, Palo. <laughs> TA shorts, TA shorts. I'm not sure what you wear, Jess, but any male, any mm. male needs to wear TA shorts. I've heard your story. I've heard your story. And the TA yeah, T underwear, T eight shorts. In the A, if you're going to go, that should, it should be compulsory. I'm not sure. Is there a women's version? T eight, yeah, women's yeah, T eight. Yeah. I don't know. Yep, they don't both. It should yeah. be compulsory. When you pay your entry, you you pay an extra hundred bucks, and you get a pair of T eight shorts and T eight underwear. <laughs> What's so special? How come that's so good? The T H sort. Oh man, Pado, Pado. There's life. There's many things in 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 uh, running which you never forget. Like the first time you wear carbon plate shoes, you know, or one of those moments where you're running in carbon plate shoes and you think, holy mother of God, where have you been all my life? The first time you put on T8 shorts and the underwear, they're so light. And you, 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 you got them on and you're checking all the time you've got underwear on because they're so oh. light. You actually, you're like, whoa, <laughs> am I naked? And, that, and the guys that designed them, in, you know, they designed them in Hong Kong for the really humid conditions. And that's why they designed them so light. It's right. actually in human conditions, you know, you are going to chafe all the time if, if you're not got perfect clothes on. Yeah. So it's film that's got the T8 tops as well. They're really cool. But the T8 shorts are incredibly light. And they've got the the in the inside underwear as well, the two the two parts, the underwear and the shorts over the top. And they're right. just they're just built to be so light and to stop any top, any type of chafing. And that's all all I wear. So probably the same as Phil. That's all I wear. You know, I've got yeah. like four or five pairs. That's all I wear. You know, and, and so there's life before TH shorts and there's life after TH shorts. Right. And it's one of those things in in um in the running the running world that everyone should get them on because they're just incredible. Yeah. Just absolutely incredible. Yeah. And I've no chafing since two years ago at Hurdies. Well, I nearly nearly died. Yeah. <laughs> and you're an advocate for TH shorts too, are you, Phil? Yeah, yeah, that's all I run in now. Um and I'll wear it for these events like for more than 24 hours at a time, I can wear them and have no issues with chafing at all. Um, the only reason I change is because I'll have a shower and it's like, well, I might as well if I'm if I'm stripping down anyway, put on a fresh pair. But, yeah, I, I could wear them for days and, and not have any issues with chafing. So highly recommend. Yeah, cool. Um, for someone running their first backyard ultra at Herdies, how should they go about setting up a pace strategy? Um, the way I do it is I look at, like I plan out like when I'm going to eat, when I'm going to sleep and, um, you know, if I'm going to shower and depending on what I'm doing in the break will determine what sort of pace I want to go at. So I've got my, my normal sort of comfortable pace, um, which is about say 45 minutes per lap. 
Um, and then if I don't have much to do in the break, I'll go a bit slower, about 50 minutes. Um, if I've got something where I need a bit of time to, to do something during the break, so either sleeping or having a shower, I'll try and do it in under 40 minutes. Um, but having said that, if, if I'm working too hard to try and get under that 40 minutes, I'll just, I'll just back it off. Um, there's no point burning yourself out just to try and get that extra couple of minutes of sleep. Um, so just do, do what's comfortable, um, in your training runs, just do like, just play around with paces. Um, I'll, I'll always have walking as well. So that 45 minutes, I'm not running that whole time. I'm not running at whatever pace that it works out to be for that 45 minutes. I'll probably be running at a, at a quicker pace and then I'll stop and I'll walk for, you know, maybe a K or so. Um, if it's really hot, I'm walking in the shade and, and running in the sun. Um, but yeah, just, just have a play around with it. Find what's comfortable for you. Um, but yeah, don't, don't think you have to stick to that exactly. As long as you're getting in under the hour, then you're, then you're good for the next lap. Yeah. And they have showers at Herdy's, do they? Not at, not at Herdy's, but they do have a tap and I have a hose with a shower nozzle thing which i hook up yeah so it's a, it's it's close enough cool, cool, cool. He, he even brings his own he even brings his own shower palace that's why he wins <laughs> are the rest of you gonna do anything like that no um the, the, well there is a shower there phil isn't there there's that shower half halfway down the finishing line pop a shower cold one yeah that's what i use but I, I put my proper shower attachment on it it's, it's really just a tap Oh, okay. All right. Um, no. Um, I, I, I don't normally. I don't normally. Uh, I don't normally walk unless maybe in the later stages. I sort of stumble and try and keep stumbling for the full forty-five minutes, and then um, yeah, a bit like Phil. If you got something, if you if you want to eat, you get. It's nice to get there five or ten minutes earlier so you can sit down and eat. And uh, I'm like Rob. I, I don't sleep. I just hit the no doze for a couple of days and enjoy the hallucinations. <laughs> but of course, that, that does limit about how far I can go because you know, obviously, I'm surprised Rob can make three days without sleeping because um, the second the second night I'm seeing all sorts of shit, <laughs> so I can't imagine another night. So I'm I'm never going to get to the sort of numbers these guys get to because I don't sleep. So um, although it would be quite interesting to get to the third night, I'm not sure what sort of stuff I'll be seeing. I'd probably wander off into the lake and never see me again. <laughs> But no, I don't sleep, so um, I, I am. I'll play it by ear. And as Phil says, if I'm going to eat, I'll try and get back a bit quicker. But apart from that, I'll try and stumble along and try and get back in between 45 and 50 minutes every lap. Mm. Um, and Rob, did did you hallucinate at Mew and Werner? No, not really. Not really hallucinate. Um, just you get to the point where your your brain interprets shadows as objects, and you're like, oh, that's a that's a car or that's a person you get to it, you're like no no that's just a shadow on the road or that's just the same tree i've run past 20 times um so no i didn't get i didn't get hallucinations um just yeah like the shadows on the road um were really messing with my head a little bit like they i felt they were moving around but not actual objects and there was there was one point i actually got down on my hands and knees to check the road because I was looking in the puddles and it looked like there was all this mesh in there and there was actually this cardboard mesh they've put in, I think, to stop the potholes. But I had to get down on my hands and knees and touch it to just settle my head and go, yeah, it's there is actually something down there. <laughs> but, yeah, and no, I, didn't, I didn't have any major hallucinations. 
Cool. Um, and in your training blocks leading into Herdies, what's the one aspect that you focus on that you think is most important? Aaron? <laughs> um, I don't know. I think um, in terms of training, um, uh, I... I think it's consistency is the most important thing. Uh, like my my training over the last 12 months is like the distances have grown a little bit, but essentially I've had the same structure for most of the, most of the time and I've just um, worked on trying to make sure that, you know, each week that I've got some something that I'm working towards and that each session has some kind of, um you know key thing that i'm working towards you know there's there's usually something that whether it's an interval session um if it's about efficiency like thinking about like um i'll think about my form when i'm running and thinking about my heart rate and and doing whatever i need to do in that training session to make sure that you know what what my coach pete has put into it is what i get out of it i think that would be my key thing about training yeah one, yeah. one of the things oh. I've um, was, which is a bit unconventional, is like getting, making sure your mobility and flexibility is is really good. Um, because especially if you're going for a long time, any little imbalance that you've got is really just going to niggle away and get worse and worse and worse. So that's one of the things that took me down at, at birdies. Um, I had some tight hips and it affected my IT band and then my knee just was, you know, it was twice the size um by the time i finished and that like that really slowed me down um so going into the sat champs in the lead up to that i was really conscious like every night on the foam roller doing some mobility work and making sure that you know hips and hamstrings and quads and uh, all that stuff was um in a good space because yeah you just over that long distance it just uh wears it away yeah yeah nice one yeah i'd say um just master the art of showing up so like those it, it's it's easy to run when you want to run and when you're in a good mood for running um or if you know the weather's really good or you, you're running in a really nice location but it's the runs where you you know you might have had a really long day at work or you know it's, it's boiling hot outside or you know you've drank too much the night before or something like that and you just really don't want to get out there and run yeah those are the runs that are going to help build your mental strength um, so getting out there and doing it um, when you don't want to, um, because there's going to be plenty of times in the backyard where you just don't want to go to that start line, um, yeah. but you got to do it anyway. So it's all very well to go and do to do bulk miles and lots of time on your feet, um, but I think the important runs are the ones that you don't want to do. So just it, as long as you can master the art of showing up, so to just you know getting out of bed and doing the run that's on your plan, even if you might not feel like it, just despite what the conditions are or or how you feel, um, yeah, just get out there and get it done. That's um, that's the 5K a day mentality, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, that was like the foundations of my of my running and I still live by that today. Yeah, um, yeah there's, there's plenty of times I don't want to, I don't feel like running. People just think I, you know, just love running so much so i just want to be running all the time um but it's, that's not always true there's definitely times out there 
Um, I just, I can't be bothered. Like, I'll, I'll run to and from work every day. And there's some, some days at work, you know, might have been really busy, really tired. And it's like, well, i got to get home. So that's it. Just put my running shoes on and let's get home and just get those runs done. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Like, you were building this mentality well before you even knew about Backyard Ultras. But it was helping you build this mentality that would work for Backyard Ultras so well. Yeah. And there's a lot of things I look back on in my past which I think helped build the foundations for for running backyard ultras so like one of the things for example I used to work at Domino's which was like late nights and the time that you closed wasn't the time you got out you still had to finish all the work which sometimes could be like on a good night it was one hour after close but it could but you could be there till like three four five in the morning there are a few times I'm there and the, the sun's come up before I'm leaving work and I kind of it's a bit like a backyard ultra that you don't know when it is you're going to finish you just you just go once the work is done um and yeah there's there's a lot of stuff I look in in my in my past that I think has has helped build that sort of character for me that excels at backyard so yeah yeah it's cool um Jess do you have any aspects of your training that you um that's most important when you're getting ready for a backyard ultra yeah, so I definitely sort of, um, similar to what Phil was saying, especially this block, it's been more about the mental training. Um, and I think I heard Tim Kay say it towards the end of last year, you know, everyone's fit out there, but who can mentally keep going and keep pushing? So that's kind of been the theme of my training this time. Um, I think I've done more double days than I've ever done before. Just you don't mm. want to go out for that second run, but you just go out and do just an e easy jog even, but mm. you're mentally out there and you're showing up. Um, and getting up before work. So I start work at 5am. So I'll get up at 3.30, go for a 5k run on the treadmill. Yeah, do cool. not want to do it, but mentally it, um, I'm putting myself out there and, and getting it done. So I think also normalising weird times of day and night. So the fact that I get up at 3.30am for a run, to me now, 3.30am feels like the morning and it feels like the day's starting. So come that night I'm getting to 3.30 a.m. and I'm going, oh, it's morning the next yeah. day. Great, keep going. So definitely this time the mental side of training um, has sort of been my main focus. So I'm excited to see how that sort of transitions or translates into the backyard um, with the volume as well. Yeah, cool. Um, have you got any Hurdy-specific handy hints? I think for Hurdy's, like, I break it down into three laps, so three, three sections. As Phil says, the first section's like crushed limestone, it's quite hot. And then uh, then it goes into bike path and then it ends up in trail. So it actually works out quite well. You've got three different surfaces. And then, so the first section's probably a couple of two and a half K to the bridge. Then you've probably got another couple of Ks of uh, bike path and then maybe a K, K and a half or two Ks of trail. So it breaks down to three. So I always break every lap down to three. So I'm not waiting for 6.7 K until I finish every lap. There's like, there's, 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 there's a bridge and there's a, a trail. So yeah, I break it down to three, break each lap in, down to three. So you're not doing one lap, you're doing three mini laps. Yeah. And then you can then, you, know, you can then time it. So you're, you're, you're ticking, you're ticking goals, you know, three times per lap or twice in the finish. So that's that's a good hurdy tip because of the free services. It really works out quite well. Break yeah. it down. It would keep you mentally 
a little bit more mentally active as well doing that. Yeah, definitely, too. definitely. Like I, I always find the first half, the first third, the hardest on the cross limestone, and then and then the, then you got the bike path, which is which is really nice. But then the best part is the trail at the end. That's the bit I look forward to because it's coming to the end of the lap, and it's the bit I like most. Yeah. So um, yeah, if I can just get past that first section, then then the next two are doable. I know I'm going to finish the lap quite mm. quite you know, quite happily. It's just that first little two two and a half k gets a slog later in the race. It's fine at the start, but later in the race, like Phil says, when you're walking, you you know, you walk in the shade and then you're trying to run run in the heat, and that that first bit can get incredibly hot. Mm. white yeah and, and open open to the elements but that that's my that's my tip break it down into three sections mm. um predictions i've been asked um if you guys want to give some predictions about uh each other's loops <laughs> uh, if 48 you... 48 for me 48 and i'm stopping you yeah, can't stop, you can't stop. Oh, no, <laughs> I can, I can, and I will. <laughs> <laughs> My days of uh, big numbers are well and truly. 48 is a big number for me. The, 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 these guys have got bigger aspirations, so I'll let them predict, but not for me, no. <laughs> I'm predicting I'm a new it. female Australian record for Jess. Yes. Or even that's, maybe that's, a female world record, 68, Jess. Yeah, that's a, what's yeah. a female world record? 68. Oh, that's a good That's a good yeah. yeah, Jess. Uh, Jess with a female world record. Monday you know, afternoon. <laughs> no, that's, that's a gimme. That's, that's done. Yeah, I don't um, think Margie's doing um, Purdy's though. I don't know if anyone's heard Margie's. No, she's not. She's going over to do the Rome Marathon, oh, I think. Yeah, I'm bummed about that, to be honest. Um, it'd be good, yeah. it'd be good to have the two of us both have a good day mm. on the same day. Because I've had good That's days right. and she hasn't had the best day. She's had great days and I've not sort of shown up that day. So I think if we can get a race where we're just both together, mm -hmm. yeah, it'd be cool. Um, but I think Jen Millam's another one that she has have a good day and she'll go really well as well. But um, yeah, 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 big numbers there. Uh, any predictions, Rob? No, I don't know. I think, like, I, I think it'll be a long race. Um, but, you know, I think it'll definitely surpass any of the other WA um, totals is is my prediction. And if, if it, especially if the weather stays, you know, in the mid-20s and it's not too humid, um, I think you'll see a lot of people um, get up well over that 24-hour and, and push up to the 48-hour mark. Yeah. Green. Definitely. What do you think, Harry? Good to get a bit of company. It'd be nice to get, you know... 10, 12 people to 48, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. Um, look, at the moment, it's, it's it's one of those tough ones. Like, at the beginning, it's it's good to throw out numbers, but um, and I've already thrown out that I, I want to go past 72. Um, but I think once, once you actually get to the race itself, you stop thinking about the number and you'll just start thinking about the lap you're on and, and trying to make sure you get that one done. Um, and so that's certainly, um, I guess, I, 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 the reason I, I also, I guess one of the reasons that I, I've thrown out numbers is um, I, I've kind of been doing a lot of reading on the, I guess, the mental side of, of um, running. And I came across a, um, a neurobiologist. His name's Andrew Huberman. I don't, you might have heard of him. I, I first kind of saw him on Rich Roll's podcast. and. 
um, one of the things she was talking about was um, that, so the, uh, what he said was that foreboding failure is twice as effective as, as thinking about uh, like when you're going to reach a positive outcome. Um, and, and I use fitness as an example. And so in the example he gave, he spoke about that people are more likely to take action if they're, you know, thinking about the negative consequences. So like they're trying to get healthy and fit. They, if they're more likely to take action if they're thinking about, okay, if I don't go on my run and do the, and change my diet, whatever, I'm going to get fat. I'll be unhealthy. I'll be this, I'll be that. As opposed to thinking about the, the fit person, the six pack they want or whatever it is. Um, so I guess for me, once I get going, I'll, I, I certainly have found that thinking about not wanting to fail at the goal that I've chucked out there will drive me a lot further than um, thinking about, you know, will I get to that goal specifically? Because um, I'm sure I'll get to 72, I'll probably celebrate it for about 15 seconds and then I'll be like thinking about what's next. And um, so for me, thinking about just not wanting to fail at that is probably what I'll be thinking about throughout the race. Um, although I know that probably didn't exactly answer your question, but that's kind of, I guess, the way that I'd feel like I'd be approaching it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, well, thanks heaps, all of you, for coming on. I've had a really good time. I think it's been a good chat, and I think a lot of people will enjoy listening to it. Thanks, Pato. Thanks, Pato. Yeah. What was sorry, what was that? Enjoy watching it on the. I'm yeah. sure it'll be on uh, Facebook or somewhere. You better keep up to date. I'm sure the USWA will put it on so you can keep up to date and watch all the videos and yeah. watch this go round and round and round for days and days and days. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward. Good luck, every single one of you. I'm sure you're all going to do really, really well. And um, yeah, I can't wait, actually. You can always come over yeah. and do it yourself, Paddy. Yeah, well, I'm, I was thinking I might do it. I, I want to do some different ones next year that I'm going to do this year. So maybe I will come over for it next year. I'm, I'm, I'm doing birdies this year and it's going to be oh, a bit. Be fun. Yeah, it will be, be really, nice. it will be yeah. really good. But I didn't realize how far away it was from the airport when I, um, when I signed up. I thought I'd just be getting off the plane and I'd be there. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> get, get in touch and come down with me or you'll be able to get lift down loads of Yeah. Oh, it's an incredible weekend. It is. Um, it's totally different to Hurdies. You know, it's just all the all the USWA team, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just mental, and it's a really good course as long as it doesn't rain, because if it rains, it can really screw it up. <laughs> like a couple of years ago, uh, rain wasn't too bad. Ah, and but then this year, that's why I stopped at thirty six. I saw the weather, and there's a monster storm coming in, and I got to thirty six, and these guys are still going. And I got in the back of my Prado and I was in my little doona and it was just pouring down. <laughs> I just thought that was such a good idea getting out of 36. Because <laughs> it was, it, was it, it must have been horrendous. It was just a deluge, a deluge for two or three hours. It's, it's funny, Kev. I, I turned around to Chris the next morning and I said to Chris, um, I was like, it didn't rain that hard, did it? I must have been so delirious that I just like didn't didn't comprehend it. Yeah, exactly. Give it away, Aaron. Yeah, no, I, I know. I realized that we were running through like there was about an 800 meter stretch that was like fully submerged, but I was like, wow. nah, I didn't rain that much. Come on, it wasn't that bad. I was like, oh my god.
Yeah, it, it was bad, and I was, I was in the back of a paddle, and I was going like, "That's the best decision I ever made." <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, and um, and Kev, you pull um, you pulled the pin just before the big storm at hysterical current as well, didn't you? No, 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 I got caught in that one. I got caught oh, in that you? one. Holy mother of God! Well, no, what happened was paddle. I got caught at. I got 25 as it was just a deluge. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah, it was I've never seen I've never seen rain like it. Right. Very similar to Bernie, uh, Bernie, but it's fine because in the middle of the day and uh, we had a Gore-Tex jacket on. So even though it was it was really, really bad, um, it was actually I quite enjoyed it. But then my ankle swelled out to a point where I could just about walk and I went to the, the famous Michelle, the race director, and I said, look up my ankle, and she just basically pulled up my sock. There you go. You're okay. On you go. I said, what? you just pulled my sock up. I said, you can't see it now. I said, well, all right. Good point. So I went for another couple of laps, but the ankle gave away, gave that. And then that was lap 27. And you're right, lap 30, I went back to the accommodation and lap 30 was just horrendous lightning. Thunderbolt and lightning is very, very frightening. Yeah. And it was right above, right above our heads, and it was it was horrendous. It's so loud, and it was it was scaringly loud. And then then they stopped it at thirty and called it quits, and there was like five people left. So I was gutted because if I just done three more laps, I would have won. <laughs> I say one, five people won. Yeah, but that was um. But the, 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 there was a massive deluge in twenty five, but then the ankle gave up for that, and the ankle gave up again because rookie error the week before uh, the fell. I moved my timing bracelet from one ankle to the other, and it, I, I tied it too tight. Either, either way, tie, an ankle bracelet, and I had it on too tight for the whole day. And as soon as I took it off to move it, I thought I'll move it to the other ankle. As soon as I did that, you know, like like the like with um, you know, Hurdies, I had the ankle bracelet on for like thirty hours. Took it off, and the foot just went boom, and um, it was it blew up. It blew up for the whole week, and then of course, you know, five days later, I was doing another. Backyard ultra, so it never really recovered. Right. So, so that, that got me there. But um, yeah, thirty six was pretty bad at birdies. But the guys, the guys, guys, and, and just powered on through. So hopefully we won't get that this year. This year it was fine until the thirty six hours, and then it got nice afterwards. I don't think the guys were that upset. But after 36, 37, 38, but that's about was that three in the morning or midnight? It was it was quite late at night as well. I didn't have good excuse to leave. <laughs> um. I guess I'll see most of you at the Masters as well. You're organ I think Kev, you're not making it, but the rest of you are you going to be there, Rob? The Masters? Um, not sure at this stage. I haven't committed to it, um, so I'll see how Hurdies goes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah I'm planning to be there, but yeah, because I've got Tennessee, and that's going to cost a bit of money and stuff. Yeah, I want to get to both, but if it comes down to one or the other, obviously it's going to be big. So yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The, the, the masters is going to be a very big part of it. I think, you know, you, you know, you know as, as Rob says, you'd, you'd have to be worried about your seventies because the masters is, there's a lot of people coming over for that. You know, that that's, I'm not sure what they call it. The call, it isn't the Hurdies course though, is it? It's quite a difficult course. Oh, it's dead, it's dead cow gully. So it's um, mainly, well, I haven't been there, so I don't, can't speak from experience, but from what I've seen, it's mainly all gravel road trails and, um that's it but it's really flat as well and it looks beautiful oh, okay so all right so this it could be it's going to be going to be similar to birdies oh, okay but there's um there's some quality it's a quality field it's probably it's a it's, a, it's the best yeah. field 
It's the best field you're ever going to see in Australia because you know it's got a remit where you have to qualify. So it's um, whereas Hurdies, we've got 300 people, you know, Masters, you're going to have 100, 150, but they're all going to be quality. So mm. that's going to be some big numbers. Now, Harvey, they've been capped at 70. Yeah. 70 people, but 70 people have all ran more than 30 hours. Mm. I so, think yeah, it's going to be, be, well, Harvey Lewis is coming over for it. So it's, that's going to make it extra special. It'd be good to go, Phil, to get because you're going to get some support there. Be pity yeah. to miss it. Maybe yeah. speak to some sponsors. Go and get Sean to sponsor you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. The plan is to get to both. Um, but yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Fair enough. Well, um, thanks a lot, everyone. Um, all the best at Herdies, and um, I, I guess I will be in touch, and I'll see you again. Later. Thanks, If you've enjoyed this podcast, it would be awesome if you could share, comment, like, subscribe, all of that. If you've got any feedback, shoot me a message. Hope you have a great day. See ya.